Welcome to the Metropolitan UMC Podcast. We are located at 3385 Metropolitan Church Road in Indian Head, Maryland. Our pastor is the Reverend Daryl K. Mason Sr. And now, today's podcast. Virtual hug. Amen, amen, amen. And we just thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, the, the, the Reverend Doctor, I call him Reverend Doctor John, that was up here early, he, he gave it away. We have our special guest uh, preacher who is here for the day. I just want to say a little bit about Brother Kelly. You all have known him longer than I have, but I just want to say uh, just from the time that First Lady and I have been here, faithful, faithful, faithful person. I mean, Brother, Brother Kelly is out here. He's, he's helping out uh, with our sound team. He's here faithfully on Wednesdays. And, uh, just, and, and not only does he serve here at the church, he serves our um, American Legion post, many offices. So this is truly a man of God who has given his life for the service of the Lord and for the service of the community. So please welcome at this time to bring us God word, God's word. Brother Kelvin Jordan, put your hands together at this time. Amen, amen. Good morning, everybody. again to bring forth this message, something I truly take seriously. Our text this morning comes from Book of John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 21, and it reads as such. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. 
after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong when, when they had drove and about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were, they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. God's message for God's people this morning is simply this. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for using me in your ministry. Thank you for guiding me thus far in granting, granting me your grace. Lord, fill me with your grace, anointing, and power so that I can preach your word boldly and with, with authority for the deliverance of those under bondage of sin. I am unworthy, Lord, but make me worthy by cleansing me and filling me with your Holy Spirit. Let your Holy Spirit take full control of me and let him speak, not to me. You know, not me. You know the needs of the people who will be listening to this preaching. I submit myself to you that you can use me in whichever way you want to. Thank you for girding me with your special grace, power, and strength. I take victory in your almighty name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Feed my sheep. Anyone who has been exposed to the Christian tradition will know the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. In verse 1 through 5, we find the fame of Jesus was spreading like wildfire, and understandably. No one had performed wondrous miracles like this man, and no one had spoken with authority like this teacher. People everywhere wanted to be in the presence of Jesus, either to reap the physical benefits like the healing, the spiritual benefits like preaching, or the social benefit. It was the most popular thing to do. In verse 4, it says, the Passover was near. This is more than telling us what time it is. It's actually a massive hint about the meaning of the event that is about to unfold, the feeding of the multitude. When the Passover was near, the priests at the temple were already preparing to kill the young lamb whose blood would be sprinkled and whose meat would be eaten. At this very time, God's people were gathering to commemorate how the Lord had saved them from slavery in Egypt. Passover was a celebration of how Moses led them out, and then how Israel was fed with the bread of heaven through the wilderness journey. And now, on the far side of the Sea of Galilee, the crowds are about to meet a new Moses, a greater Moses. Here in this wilderness, Jesus will feed them miraculously and generously. John 6 began with a simple story of the physical need and a faithful supply. Now, Jesus was tired, physically and emotionally. Remember, he was still only a man. Having large and demanding crowds following him must have been exhausting. To find respite and to spend time with his closest friends, he went to the other side of Galilee and up a mountain. That didn't work. The crowd followed him up the mountain. But Jesus, being compassionate Savior that he is, 
did not try to escape. He began to make arrangements for the organized chaos that he was about to ensue. Now, Jesus first saw that the crowd was hungry. Back in his day, there was no shopping mall, food courts, fast food, drive through Golden Corral. These men and women, children, had followed Christ for a long time, and they had physical needs. Jesus also recognized that these people had a larger spiritual need, more than a one-time meal. Even though they did not know it, they were following Jesus because their hearts were empty. Yes, they were physically hungry, but they were spiritually starving to death. Jesus knew that he had to meet their physical hunger before he could meet their spiritual hunger. Jesus knows you cannot tell a hungry person about a living bread. You cannot tell a thirsty person about a living water. So Jesus had to meet their physical hunger first. Now, Jesus knew that the occasion of the crowd's hunger and the timing of his provision would offer an opportunity to declare who he was. He also knew that this would give him an opportunity to share his disciples' faith. This story is a great reminder for us to, today to have eyes like Christ, always on the lookout for opportunities to care physically and spiritually for those in our path. Now, in verse 5, with the approaching crowd, Jesus turned to Philip and asked, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Philip responded in verse 7, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. This is what I think Philip meant, because I probably would have said the same thing. You've got to be kidding me, Jesus. Ain't no way we can afford to feed all these people. This just, this just can't happen. See, and here, Philip has showed that he is definitely thinking about an earthly solution to his problem. But Jesus knew exactly what he was, go what he was going to do when he asked Philip that question. Jesus said, to, see, Jesus said this to test him. One of Jesus' aims throughout his ministry was to train and teach his disciples, the men who would later bring the gospel to all the world. And disciples had much to learn about trusting Jesus, not resting in human resources. This food shortage in the wilderness was an occasion to shape their faith, to prepare them for a larger test to come. And then right on cue in verse 9, Andrew located a boy carrying around a basket with five barley loaves and two fish. Just like Philip before him, Andrew analyzed the scenario with great doubt and asked, but how far will they go among them? How far will they go among them? This is the time for reminding about who, who's in charge. Time to take a little look at the Savior. First, Jesus takes control of the crowd, made the people sit down. They literally reclined, the same kind of word used when people are about to sit back and enjoy a big feast. That's not what you would expect if you had just a little bit to eat. Five loaves and two fish. But the people prepared to enjoy what Christ will serve them. Jesus in his glorious strength, capable of great things, but even he, the faithful son, knows that he needs God's help. So at the beginning of the meal, Jesus took, looked to God, who opens his hands and satisfies the desires of every living thing. This food looked very little, but it too had came from God. In verse 11, Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them. He did the same with the fish. It is a good practice to pray for our food, even ask for our daily bread, with the prayer Jesus taught us. And we know it is a good practice because this is what Jesus himself did. Now, following the prayer, Jesus began to pass around the food. 
Notice how Jesus is the one doing the work of the, uh, the handing out first to the disciples and then to the crowd. He's both cook, waiter, chief, chef, and busboy. Well, what does it tell us about Christ? He not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, whenever we learn about the feeding of the 5,000, we typically hear about Jesus, the crowd, or the disciples. But we, we, we neglect one central character in this story, the little boy. The little boy. No one in the crowd would have thought that this boy mattered. No one would have imagined that he was carrying the basket would not only be the provision of the moment, but the basis of the one of the most significant sermon Jesus ever preached. This one little boy in the crowd with a little bit of seafood and bread, but he had been chosen by God to be a significant piece of the Messiah's redemption plan, not only for that day, but the rest of human history. No one knew that after this moment, every man, woman, and child who trusted in Jesus and read the Bible would know this boy, know exactly what was in his basket that, that day, and know how Jesus used him to make the point about his identity. Here's what I'm trying to say. We will never know which little person God will use and how. That means we are never lost in the crowd. We are never without anything to offer. We never know who the Lord will claim and use in ways that we can't predict or have not attended to. The Lord knows us all. He knows where we are, what we have, and how he can use us. He is the divine author of, e of each and every moment, right in our stories. He can do eternally amazing things with the little fragments of our life that we are carrying around that we tend to think is not worth very much. Whenever I think about this passage, I always find myself wondering, what if the little boy had said no? What if the little boy had ran into the crowd? What if the little boy said, what if his parents said, this is our food, this is for us, leave us alone? But the story didn't happen that way. The boy selfishly gave up his little meal, and Jesus did with it only what only the Son of God could do. By divine power, a crowd of thousands was satisfied by physical food with plenty of leftovers, and simultaneously pointed to the eternal source of the spiritual food that satisfied the soul. Now, what an amazing story. Christ did the impossible through an unremarkable, unremarkable kid in the middle of a very big crowd. The boy never received the glory, only the Messiah did. But what he carried in his basket had a bigger and more lasting implication than he would ever have been able to grasp. We just never, we never know when God, what God would ask of us. We never know when he will ask it. We never, we, know, we never know ahead of time what would happen when he does. We never know how the Lord will redeem our little bits and pieces and use them to give grace to the hungry. That's just the way our God works. Alongside all this excitement, it seems strange that John tells us about the cleanup following the meal. See, that's always the worst part of eating a good meal is having to clean up. So, so this is a very important detail. In verse 12, Jesus says to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. Now, when they walked around the cleanup, they had 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish left over. Jesus had not just given enough food to tide them over, handing them a, a snack for the road. No. Everyone had as much as they wanted. Clearly, Christ does not do things half measure. He is a pointer to the rich plenty of the coming kingdom. 
Notice that the disciples collected 12 baskets. That's not a coincidence, of course. Not, not like the same as the Passover. When the disciples had cleaned up, they found that there were there's one basket for each one of them. And this, too, is probably a part of how Jesus is training his disciples. Jesus wants them to look ahead to the time when they will go out as apostles. They will go out and meet the deepest needs of people, not by bringing food and drinks, but by bringing the word of Christ, telling them about the bread of life. By themselves, the disciples can't do nothing much, can't do much. All they can see are the problems and impossibilities. We don't have enough. It can't be done. It's hopeless. But Christ tells us that his grace is sufficient for our every need. And so the sign of feeding the crowd points to us to a vital message. It is about Jesus providing for us physically and that the, the precious truth, but also about how Jesus provides in every other way too. There's a hint in verse 11 and 12. There it says that everyone in the crowd had as much as they wanted and that they were filled. But what did they really feel? They got what they wanted, but did they get what they need? In the aftermath, the, cra- the crowd understands that something remarkable has happened. They knew they had a glimpse of something special. When they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world, verse 14. Now in Deuteronomy 18, God told the Israelites that he was going to raise up another prophet for them. This coming prophet would even be like the great Moses, who delivered Israel and meditate with God. Of this coming prophet, God said, I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak all that I command him. Verse 18. The people have been waiting eagerly for this prophet because he was expected to be to do great things, even bring salvation. But now, seeing Jesus in action, the crowd picked up on it, and they, they are sure. This truly is a prophet who is coming into the world. And in verse 15, you see that they decided to take Jesus by force to make him king. And they would have accepted Jesus slipped away. This was not his time. It was not his time. And that was not why he came. Here we have the reaction of the crowd. The Jews waited for a prophet whom they believed Moses and Moses had promised them. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 says, The Lord your God will raise you up, a prophet like me among you. From your brethren, him you shall heed. Now at that moment, they were willing to accept Jesus as the prophet and to carry him to power on a wave of popular acclaim. But it was not so very long before another crowd was saying, crucify, crucify. Why was it at this moment that the crowd acclaimed Jesus? For one thing, They were eager to support Jesus because he gave them what they wanted. He healed them and fed them, and they would thereupon have made him their leader. Their attitude could very well be disgusting to us, but are we different today? We want comfort and sorrow. We want strength and difficulty. We want peace and turmoil. There is no one so wonderful as Jesus, and we talk with him, and we walk with him, and open our hearts to him. But when it comes to us with some stern demand or for sacrifice or challenge, we will have nothing to do with them. When we examine our hearts, it may be, may be that we will find that we too love Jesus for what he will do for us, what we can get from him. The crowd wish, wishes to use him for their own purpose, 
to mold him into their own genius. They were waiting for the Messiah, but they visualized him in their own way. They looked for a Messiah who would be a king and conqueror, who would drive the Romans from the land. They had seen what Jesus could do, and the thought in their minds was, this man has power, marvelous power. If we can harness him and his, and his power to our dreams, things will begin to happen. That crowd of Jews would have followed Jesus at that moment because he was giving them what they wanted, and they wished to use him for their own purpose. After feeding the 5,000 and attempts to make him king, Jesus slipped away to the hills alone. The day, the day wore on. It came to the time when, he, when the Jews described as the second evening. The time between the twilight and the dark, Jesus had still not arrived. Jesus had sent disciples ahead. And while he persuaded the crowd to go home, doubtless he was his intention to walk around to the head of the lake while, while they rode across and to join them in Capernaum. Disciples set sail. A strong wind was blowing and the, and the water grew rough. It was Passover time, and that was the time of the full moon. Up on the hillside, Jesus prayed and communed with God. As he set out, the silver moon made the scene almost like daylight. And down on the lake below, he could see the boat and the rowers toiling at the oars. So he came down. The toiling of the disciples looked up and saw Jesus walking on the water, approaching the boat. Then they heard, heard his voice. It is I. Don't be afraid. A couple of chapters earlier, Jesus spoke about how earthly things will not fill us. Talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, he said, whoever drinks of this will thirst again. Our temporary satisfaction is soon fading. And then the next day, when the crowd was looking for another meal, Jesus gives a similar warning. Do not labor for the food which perishes. There has to be more to life than filling our stomachs and getting our pleasures. As sinners, we have a deep and unrelenting need, an emptiness that won't go away. You can chase a scene of satisfaction for your whole life, and you won't ever be filled. But God has compassion on us. He tells us that when we hunger for him, when we thirst for him, we will most, most certainly be filled. Earlier I mentioned Christ did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. He will do it again in John 13, when he bends down to wash the feet of his disciples. This is an example for us. Christ says in John 13, verse 15, that you should do as I have done to you. Meditate on this example, that Christ, the king of glory, is always willing to put others ahead of himself. Once again, Jesus is lifting the veil of his, of his glory. He has been doing this from the beginning of his ministry, doing things like turning water into wine and healing the handicapped, walking on stormy water, calming his disciples with a simple word. He is not doing this for show or for hearing applause from the happy people who had just provided food. Christ does this out of deep compassion for those who are around him. Christ will provide, just as God provided bread for Israel for every day of the 40 years of wandering in the desert. This is the same kind of thing which God has done so many times. The same thing he still does for us today. He gives us today our daily bread. Every day we ought to pray the petition Christ taught us. And every day we should notice how God answered that petition. Today was another day that we had our food. Maybe it wasn't our favorite meal, but still it came from our God, our Father, as a gift of his love through Christ. This is the spirit in which God wants us to live, trusting in him, even when we come into wilderness and there is no earthly solution to be seen. 
Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next year. But hold on to God's promise for today. His promise in Christ Jesus that he is with you and will never forsake you. Jesus is calling. Skip on. I must pause for a moment. Now, we have a lot of programs here, some wonderful programs here, ministries here, like the, the uh, uh, community dinner, uh, uh, safe nights, the backpack, uh, different other programs. We find ministries. But those ministries meet their physical needs. On Wednesday, you've had 321 people. Well, guess what? They'll come back next week more hungry. I, I, I personally feel that there's more we need to do. Not just meeting their physical needs. We need to meet their spiritual needs. Now, I know many of you out there in Zoom and, and here are anxious to get back into the church. But when you get back here, you also need to be anxious to go beyond the church walls. There's a dying world out there, starving. People are starving, and it's up to us to grow out there. We're the church folks, okay? What's our, what's our mission statement? Wait a minute, I, I wrote it down here. Our mission statement, what, what is it now? Passionate Christians making disciples of Jesus Christ. Say it again. Passionate Christians making disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. I can share a story, short story with you. A few years ago, I worked downtown. I get off the subway station, and it seemed like every homeless person, every needy person was in front of me with their hands up. I said, oh, my God. I looked down the corner of the street. There was a guy laying down the corner of the street. First, I thought it was somebody I used to work with. I walked down there, and it wasn't him. So I gave him some money. Okay, when I came back home that evening, you know, he's still laying there. I didn't, you know, I gave him, you know, enough for the day. So for the next couple of weeks, I, had a, I, have a, I keep a jar of change. Every morning I would grab a handful of change, never counted it, and I would give it to him every morning. So it was around Christmas time, and I usually uh, take off the last two weeks for the holiday. I had to use to lose, right? So I said, well, I'm going to go on for three weeks, and uh, I had $100. I'm going to give him $100, carry more until I got back. So that morning I went there. He wasn't there. So I said, okay, no problem. I gave it to him when he, when he comes back. That evening, I got off work that evening, rather. He wasn't there. So I went on my vacation. He came back. That was like 15 years ago. Okay. Now, I felt good giving him money. But deep down in my heart, I felt I could have done more. I didn't even know his name. You know, I thought, you know, I feel good helping him out. But like I said again, I met his physical needs, but then I meet his spiritual needs, and I feel bad about that. Well, three weeks later, back at work, and I get a phone call about three o'clock from the um, personnel director. I want me to come down to the office. See, I've been warned earlier that day, I was tipped off that they were doing some downsizing, and two people were getting laid off. And I was one of them. But it didn't bother me. So 3 o'clock came, and 3 o'clock came, I got the phone call. And I went in there, there was the executive director there, assistant director, some other director, they were all in there. I knew what, what, what was coming. But because someone told me about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Somebody told me about that living bread. Yeah. Somebody told me about that living water. I was not worried. See, I tasted the water, and I tasted the bread, and I knew God would not forsake me. So when I told them, I said, you are not moving me. God is moving me. 
said, God, you are not moving. God is moving me. That's God's grace. God will never forsake you. So anyway, uh, it's a union job. I could have bumped somebody. It was a dead-end job, but it was a sweet job. And I wouldn't have left because it was a sweet job, but I needed to get away from that job, but I wouldn't do it on my own. So I don't feel bad leaving because they laid me off. They laid me off. But anyway, they gave me 45-day notice. Tell my dad to come back to work no more. I went in a few days, did my resume. My last year that job was March 11th. I saw my current job that money. Didn't miss a day. Now tell me God ain't good. God, 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 God will provide. God will, will, will provide. And like I said, you just have to trust and trust in him. No matter what your situation is, just trust in God. But like I said, I was fortunate enough that I knew about the gospel. I was taught the gospel. I was taught about the living bread. That's as a church. We need to go out and do that. That's what who we need to feed. Feed my sheep. That's what he's talking about. Go out into the world. That's what we're supposed to do. We disciple Jesus Christ. We ought to go out and make disciples. That is what we're supposed to do. Yeah, that, 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 that physical bread, that physical hunger, yeah, we take care of that too. But we need to do that spiritual. Just as Jesus called us, almost done, almost done, what time is it? Just as Jesus calls his disciple Philip, he's calling us today. He's calling us to bring the gospel to the world. And Pastor, you're going to love this. It's not just the pastor's job to go out and spread the gospel. So I say it again, Pastor. It's not just the pastor's job to go out and spread the gospel. It's all of us. It's all of us. That's why I can't wait till we get back in church so we can go beyond the church walk. I know COVID has set things back, but that's just temporary. God's still in charge, okay? God's still in charge. Maybe dear little, but God is still in charge. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Anxious to get back in the church? Yes, but then anxious to go beyond the church walls. Just like this little boy, the Lord knows all. He knows where we are, what we have, and how we can, how we can be used. We will never know which little person God will use and how. Just like the little boy, we are never lost in the crowd. We are never without anything to offer. Everything we have and will have is a gift from God, not for us only, but for the uplift of God's kingdom. We have several ministries that, like I said, we have several ministries here that meet the physical need, but we need to go out and do the spiritual need. In closing, in John 21, verse 15 through 17, Jesus asked Simon Peter three times, do you love me? Each time Simon Peter answered yes, and Jesus said, feed my sheep. I'm asking you today, Metropolitan, Facebook, Zoom, do you love him? Do you love him? Do you love him? Then feed, feed his sheep. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together one more time for Brother Kelly. Amen, amen. We just thank God for that powerful word. Man, Brother Kelly, I just want to say, man, you, you, you really, you really touched touch my heart. Um, just um, one thing that you had talked about, um, we can meet physical needs, but only Jesus Christ can meet those spiritual needs. And then I was just sitting there, with your brother, brother Kelly, and, and God was just, as the Holy Spirit was working in, in our midst, um, the question came up, well, how, how does that happen? I was just sitting there, Brother Kelly. How does that happen? And then 
through you, the Holy Spirit answered the question again because you reminded us about our mission statement. We are passionate Christians. You said it. You, you blessed me, my brother. Making disciples for Christ. The only way that people are going to have their spiritual needs met is if that we put Jesus in their life. That's the only way. We can feed them, and there's nothing wrong with that. We, we can do that. We can do that. So, so here's the question. Here's the question. And I'm talking to everybody, wherever you are, every pastor, every church member, whatever church, we are body in Christ, whatever church. Here's the question. Who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? Who, who are you working with one-on-one? -on -one? Who are you talking to? Who are you, listen to this, who are you praying for? So I'm not going to sit here, they, 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 they tell you in seminary, don't get up behind the preacher and try to re-preach. So I'm not going to try to re-preach the message. But I do want to offer the invitation at this time. So if you don't know the Lord today, if you, as our preacher said, are spiritually empty, if you need to be spiritually filled, we don't offer you two fish and five loaves of bread, but we do offer you Jesus today. So wherever you are, if you don't know the Lord, we invite you to allow Jesus to come into your heart, in your life. And so I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer, or some call it the prayer of salvation. If you look in the chat box or in Zoom, you'll see a link there. You can click the link. If you want to connect with us, if you want to join this branch of Zion, as my grandmother used to say, if you want to join this branch of Zion, you can go into that link and click the link and uh, communicate with us and someone will reach out to you. But right now we want to pray the prayer of salvation. Wherever you are, if you don't know the Lord, or maybe you've, maybe you've backslidden, you want to rededicate your life, won't you pray with me at this time? Dear Father, I know that I'm a sinner. For too long, I kept you out of my life. Right now, I accept Jesus into my life. I believe that he died for my sins and rose on the third day. And right now, I confess that Jesus is in my heart. and I will follow him from this day forward. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, you just gave your life to Christ. We ask that you would continue to connect with us on Facebook, on Zoom, and our doors will be opening soon, so you'll, you'll be able to come out and fellowship with us in person. So right now, we're going to pray our altar prayer. Wherever you are, I ask that you would center yourselves and focus on God. I ask that you would 
allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about where you want God to move in your life. So let's pray at this time. Dear Father, Lord, we bless you. Lord, we thank you. We worship you. Father, we thank you for all the songs that have been sung today. Father, we thank you for the worship today. And Father, we thank you for the message that was delivered today through our, our preacher. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church and ministries, please visit us at www.metroumcindianhead.com. Until next time, peace and blessings.